0: Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with the dynamic beer brewing duo from Cellis Brewery, It is my pleasure to introduce Christine Sellis, owner and second generation Sellis Brewer and her daughter Daytona Camps, third generation Sellis Brewer. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of On The Spot with Melinda Garvey. I'm really excited to have two incredible women with me today and they are in a really unique business. They own a brewery and they've got a super cool story, not only because they are a mother-daughter team but also just the path that they took to get here. So I'm really excited to bring you their story today. We have Christine Sellis and Daytona Camps of Sellis Brewery. So let's get started and welcome, ladies. So happy to have you here with us.
1: Oh, we are very, very excited to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: So you guys are not only unique as entrepreneurs because you have a family business, right? It's really interesting, though, because that family business was not handed down to you in the traditional way, right? When you think of a family business that's been in the family a long time, you guys had to go through a little bit of a different path. So I'd love for you just to tell our listeners today that path, because I think it's important to sort of set the tone for the type of women entrepreneurs that you all are
1: absolutely i mean it is such a unique story and we come all the way from belgium so my dad was the one who revived the Belgian with beer in 1965 and don't forget i mean that beer style was extinct for 10 years before that so when he rebuilt that beer style i mean people were excited when my dad actually retired in 1989 now i'm jumping the gun a little bit here because it's such a long, long story, and it's an amazing story, really. So when my dad retired at the age of 65 in 1989, he wanted to build another brewery in the United States, in Austin, Texas, because there was no crab brewery in Texas. And when we built the brewery here, people were so excited. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Austin was gonna get its first brewery. People could come and check out what a brewery is all about and taste, uh, be a brewer locally here. So when we grew so fast in 95, we, went, we made a partnership with one of the three big brewers and things unfortunately didn't work out between us. So we sold the brewery to them in 2000. And then in 2001, they shut the brewery down. And then all of a sudden, you know, the beer went away as well in Texas, that is. So I had to wait 17 years to start brewing again and continuing actually the legacy of my dad which is also really important is that you know my daughter wanted to be a part of this she wanted to continue her grandfather's legacy so it is a continuation now of the family and also brewing techniques
0: so when your dad had the brewery before when he brought it to austin how old were you christine
1: Oh, my, uh, my dad started uh, when I was four years old, and then I was in my 20s when I came over here.
0: And when all this went down, I guess, 17 years ago, right, mm-hmm. Daytona, how old were you at that time?
2: So I was born in 94, and Salisbury was opened in 92. So yeah, I was two years old, When she opened up this one. I was 23, so a year ago.
0: That's awesome. And so I guess I would love to just hear from you to talk a little bit about this desire to sort of carry on. I mean, obviously you were two, you didn't really know. I mean, you heard the stories, but tell me a little bit about your path to entrepreneurship and what made you decide to kind of jump on this bandwagon with your mom and really bring the brewery back. I was a junior
2: in high school and, you know, at that time everyone was trying to figure out what they wanted to do, where they wanted to go. And I actually had no idea what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, at that same year, my grandfather passed away, and there was a bunch of people that would, you know, contact my mom and and give their condolences and share their stories and their experience with my grandfather, and all this inspiration that he gave just really motivated me, and I was just so interested in the concept of beard, and it's pretty much like an art form. You know, you can create whatever you want with four main ingredients, but you can add this and... You know, be creative, innovative. And I've always had that nook for creation like that. And I love working with my hands. And so I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. So I got a little bit more involved on the beer side. And I had two years in ACC College. And then I got an internship to go to Buffalo, New York to learn in a smaller system a three and a half barrel system. When you were 19. Yeah, when I was 19. It was going to be for three months, but I loved it so much I stayed for a year. And I, and I kept begging to stay a little longer. But my mom uh, brought me back to Austin, and I worked for a brew pub for two years. And then now I'm at Sellis.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about this journey, because I want to make sure that we emphasize the fact that it was 17 years from when it originally closed down and what it took. So I'd love for you just to talk to us about sort of what drove you. To not give up. I mean, most people would give up after a, a year or two. I mean, if something's not working out, I mean that, and that's really common. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you try something, you've given it your all, uh, maybe a few years, but this was really a heck of a journey. First of all, you you weren't sure if you were going to be able to buy the rights back, and then you had to raise money to actually do the brew. So I'd love just to talk about what do you think drove you to do that.
1: Well, you know, for me as a child, I used to play in my dad's brewery. I was always very, very close to my dad and we had such an amazing relationship. I mean, it was never easy at that time either. It was really hard, especially, you know, after a beer style being gone for so long. So we had to educate people again, even in Belgium on what is Belgian with beer. So as the brewery was growing, you know, a fire happened, actually. And while my parents were in the U.S., and I still remember exactly the day that my dad came back and looked at, you know, the ruins, actually, of the half burnt out brewery. And my dad, I mean, he had a drive in his face that is like, I am not going to give up. I don't have the money to rebuild this brewery, but I owe that to the people to rebuild this brewery that made me... Be here and make this as a big brewery. And and also we wanted to do that for the town of Hogarth. So it was like, no matter what, I am not going to give up. And, and I saw how hard he fought to rebuild this brewery and find the right partner, basically. And so my dad was always a go-getter. No matter what odds are in front of him, he would always find a way to overcome. And no matter how, how hard it was, no matter how long it would take, he would never give up. And I think by having such an amazing mentor, that that's all what I saw. He was a very driven man. And, you know, after that, my dad passed away in 2011, I really wanted to continue his legacy because I, I wanted to make sure that he did not got forgotten. Because many times people forget you know, over time, you know, either side, either mind, they say, I wanted to make sure that that was not going to happen, because he contributed too much to the culture, not just in in Texas or the US, but actually worldwide. I'm not going to say that if he wasn't here, if we didn't start this brewery, the, the craft beer revolution like it is right now would have never happened. It would have been probably a little bit different. So I think that we contributed so much to this, or he contributed so much to that culture that there was no matter what. I mean. It was going to happen. And sometimes, you know, no matter what it takes, you need to get it done and you fight harder. And if you get a no this time, well, there might be a yes the next round. Every
0: no is just one step closer to yes, as they That's say. Right?
1: Yeah, That's absolutely.
0: <laughs> and I want to talk a little bit about this. Cheryl Sandberg lean in study that she did about women in the workplace recently came out, the updated. And one of the areas talks about women that struggle in the workplace because they're the only right? They look around them and they don't see other women that are doing what they're doing. And it's hard to see, wow, what's my trajectory? What's my path? If I don't see those other women that look like me and they often feel isolated. So obviously you are two women in an arguably male dominated field. So I'd love just to sort of understand, you know, your path as women and how you sort of overcome that possible feeling of being the, the only and thrive as a woman.
1: Well, when I started in the 90s here, you know, that's when it was a no-go. You know, women were absolutely not accepted in the brewing industry. It was so hard to find a woman in that field. Now that we are 2018, now you're going to find a whole lot more brewers. It's so much more accepted. And actually, there's a lot of men that really appreciate women being in this field. Also, we have the privilege of of having much more taste. For example, in the big breweries, the sensory team that they have, it's pretty much all women because we have much more refined palate than men do. But, you know, I think that right now that, you know, everybody accepts women in the beer industry or in the distilling industry or in wine. I think we have overcome this very rapidly in a way uh, when it comes to the alcohol business. So I think we're in good shape. (laughs) What's your opinion? They see what we can do and
2: they don't argue with or disagree with anything. I mean, there's plenty of breweries out there that are more so focused on, on having female brewers than men because it was, you know, so different back in the past. So I think it's finally happening that we're all equally being accepted, which is nice.
1: Yeah, but even when we had the bury in the 90s, for me, there was never a, an issue. You just work your way through it and you prove yourself that you can do it. And even better yet, they can do even a better job. So to me, um, you know, it, it was never a real issue. And I think also when I see that many times when she starts talking about brewing experience and goes really into the nitty gritty and then you know the guys were like oh my god she does know how to brew beer so all of a sudden they're like with their mouth open like "Ah, wow okay i i just hold my peace i'm not gonna say anything anymore because they do know what they're talking about
0: That's awesome. I know that there are so many great female winemakers now. And are there other women in your industry that you connect with? Do you sort of, you know, have a a little group where you stick together and encourage each other?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Austin's a very friendly group. Like Pink Boots Society is worldwide and every year in March we collaborate and brew the same type of beer all around the world. Like the last Tuesdays of every month we would meet up and it's it's just nice to encourage everyone and say you know maybe this one group of guys is you know not understanding but doesn't matter you're doing what you're going to do and you enjoy it so keep going and you know we educate each other and it's really fun.
0: And it's interesting because one of the biggest questions I get asked all the time when I'm speaking is, how do I find my tribe? And I think that it's really, really important for women. And I think that sometimes women that are in, for example, women in tech, you know, often feel really siloed and that they don't have that. So I think it's great. And it is part of sort of that secret sauce for women, like really banding together and supporting Mm. each other. And it's not about being against men. But there is something about that camaraderie and really feeling like you've got other women that are like you, that can think like you and taste like you, right? They have those taste buds that are more honed and refined. So it's probably great to get their opinion on things. Yeah,
1: no, it's, as long as you share the same passion, you do, you do this This is for the right reason. You know, you need to have a, a right reason why you do this. And it's because of the love and the passion. And you want to succeed in this and you want to be innovative and you want to be recognized as a really with of high quality produced by women. That's it. That's
0: right. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about just some of the challenges that you face. I think that a lot of our learning comes from, you know, those challenges and are there some, I mean, I know that obviously there are a lot. I mean, look, every day I have challenges, but are there some particular things that you overcame that you feel like really defined who you are and your sort of entrepreneurial journey?
1: First of all, you know, moving over here was already a big challenge because now all of a sudden you not only have to deal with the language you have to deal with compliance and rules so you have to overcome that already but you know when we started i mean we had a great mentor so we have to keep that in mind it's not like we started from scratch and decided going balls to the walls starting a brewery i grew up in this industry so i had already a little bit of an advantage knowing my dad taught me so much more. But you know, right now, I think the biggest challenge will be is to get the word out maybe or get there's so many breweries right now just to when you go into the store, which beer are they going to choose? So you have to differentiate yourself on why our beer is the way it is versus other beers. So I think that's still one of those that is for everybody in this industry that you have to overcome. And it's going to be an ongoing challenge for every single brewery out there. It's
2: nice, though, at the end of the day, we all hang out. We all support each other. If you need some malt, I mean, I can give you some of that. It's a nice, very community industry. And that's really what I think sets us apart from, you know, a lot of other industries out there is we're all a bunch
0: of friends. Yeah, it's more community driven rather than competitive.
2: Sure, absolutely.
0: hmm so are there particular things and just in terms of being an entrepreneur, if you kind of had to give our listeners a piece of advice, sort of just a, a go-to thing, maybe something that somebody told you at one time or just something you've learned along the way, what would be that piece of advice?
1: Never, ever take any shortcuts. You know, make sure you do this, again, for the right reason. Just make sure that your product is always consistent and it has high-quality product. Because, I mean, there's so much products out there and it doesn't matter if it's beer or it is chocolate or it is it doesn't really matter what don't do any shortcuts just make the product like it's supposed to be and you know there's a reason why people buy it to begin with and enjoy your product so keep on making make improvements it's always better make sure you have consistency in your product
2: and that and then i mean just growing up seeing my grandfather and then my mom They're both just so inspirational in the fact of keep on going and and never give up and follow your dream no matter what life throws at you. You know, just never give up. That's what I've really come to learn, no matter how long it takes.
0: Yes, I'm actually surprised that wasn't your mom's piece of advice, but I love the don't take shortcuts because the never give up thing, I think that's just such a part of you right? That, that it's not even like a piece of advice. You live that every day. And I think that you, obviously you've given that advice to your daughter just by living it. And I think that's amazing just to have that perseverance because it's not easy. And I do think that we also live in a world where the shortcut is the thing, right? I mean, you see big companies all the time and that's why I think it's so great about small business and last Saturday after Thanksgiving was the small business Saturday. And you know I love that just hearing about it, and, and just reminding people to support smaller businesses that really do have that focus on quality, that's really important because we don't want to lose that art ever. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. So what's next for you guys?
1: Well, we are working on phase two and phase two is our beer garden. So we used to have always live music at the brewery, at the first Salisbury. We had nice grassy area. So we didn't have that luxury over here, although we had a piece of land next to the brewery that had to be cleaned up and made accessible for live music. So really, really excited about that. We're gonna have a retractable stage where we're gonna have bands that are going to attract lot of big uh, audience group, for example, like 2,000 people. And then we're going to have bands that are going to attract 300 people. And then we can bring the stage closer to the bar area. And so you still feel that intimate setting. We're going to have, of course, food trucks. We're going to have an area where family can come out and, and have kids where they can play, bring your dog. And then of course, phase three is the uh, museum. So I brought over my dad's very, very old equipment. And you know what we want to do there is brew in that old equipment, and we're still uh, working on some crowdfunding for that. But that's going to be something so unique. Now I always say, Ho Garden, where my dad started, lost a piece of history, and Austin gained a piece of history by bringing all that old equipment over here. And so we can teach people here that are interested in brewing in old techniques or old brewing practices. They can learn and see it on that piece of equipment. So that's going to be very educational for us and and for
0: young people that want to get into the whole brewing community. It sounds exciting. And so if our listeners want to find your beer, where can they go to find it? And then also, are you distributed outside of Texas at this point?
1: Well, we are distributed in Texas. And then (laughs) we are in Japan and Korea. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know the reason is because they used to import already my dad's beer over there when they found out that we started this brewery from the family and it with our yeast strain and the old recipes from my dad they wanted to have the beer back so instead of giving that up you know we uh, decided on selling beer in Japan and Korea and it's amazing the crab beer market over there especially for weed beer. mountain style weed beer is amazing over there, yeah.
0: Oh, Interesting, is your goal to be nationwide and global at some point or?
1: Oh yeah, for long term of course, you know, that's I think, because my dad contributed so much to this craft beer world that I would like to. First I wanna focus on Texas and then we'll see what next steps brings. But yeah, you wanna tell her also where they can find the beer?
2: Yeah, so we have our package and then draft available. The packages, you know, H-E-B specs, Whole Foods, Twin Liquors, gas stations, anywhere where they sell beer, craft beer, you're almost guaranteed to find us there. And if not, let me know.
0: <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Well, congratulations to both of you. I know it has been a long journey, but a journey filled with a lot of love and how fun that you all get to work together and to bring this dream back to life. So congratulations, and we'll be excited to follow you and everything that you do next.
1: Yeah, I would love to invite you and then come and check out the brewery. When you walk in here, it's a feel of accomplishment. And also it has a story. When people walk in, they're like, oh my God, this is not like your everyday brewery. And everyday breweries is perfectly fine, but we have such a a rich story and the beer is good too. So, you know, yeah.
0: You can feel the story come alive. I love that. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And like I said, we're excited for all the things that you do next.
1: Absolutely, well thank you, bye-bye.
0: Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass boss you were meant to be. Tune into next week's episode when we sit down with the incredible Brittany Packnett, known for her work for Teach For America, co-host of Crooked Media's pod Save the People podcast, an outspoken intersectional Black Lives Matter activist. Share On The Dot with your tribe. Like, subscribe, and share OnTheDotwoman.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you stream your favorite pods.